I was afraid they wouldn't play the game and think it was too touchy feely. They loved it. My boyfriend said he learned more about these men in an hour from this game than the entirety of their 15 year friendship. Him and I played it at home too. And we absolutely loved it. Uh, he asked me to play it and he never wants to play card games. We literally love it. another episode. I'm excited to have Weston Carnes with me. He's the creator of a new card game for men called Let's Get Real Bro, which is designed to help support men's mental health through conversation and connection. Yes. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I'm curious about how you kind of arrived at where you are now with the card game. I think that... Uh, people might resonate with your story. So can you tell us a little about how you got to where you are? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Melanie. It's, uh, it's always fun to tell this story. I'm a little, I'm a little new to it, so I'll probably like stumble, but um, I mean, the, the story of this game coming to be is very much the story of myself and telling the story of oneself is difficult, but uh you know, over the course of my time, I mean, I, I was coming from a place in, in high school, having a lot of social anxiety, um, isolated myself, like really trying to protect myself um, from just like shame and, and embarrassment, like just um, all of that. Um, as I went through college and kind of continued to like find myself um, through different means of, I don't know, therapy, meditation, these kind of things. Um, through others as well. I mean, I think the relationships that I found over time and continuing to be like, Ooh, like that, you know, like this person has something that I like or that I want, like, what is that? Um, yeah. And con continuing kind of the curiosity of, of myself and trying to just like have tools to go out into the world and like, just show up and like, you know, like just to, to be able to like do that, you know, like I, I don't take that for granted even now, especially coming from that context of like really staying in and hiding oneself. Um, anyway, the more, the more kind of I explored and became interested in, in that work, I also found men's work and um, that wasn't until probably 26, I'm 34 now, it was probably 27. 28 is when I even started looking for these things. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't even fully know what drew me to it. I think ultimately it was just a desire to like have more, uh, I don't know, real, real talk, so to speak, more like kind of open connection with, with men. Cause that was something that I found myself struggling to, to find, right. Like, um, a lot of my deeper relationships were being formed with, with women, and I thought that was just like very strange and I didn't really know why. Um, but anyway, as I continued to explore finding men's groups and seeing how interesting it was to me that there were these things that were like, this is where guys go to like support one another or like connect on a deeper level and just being like, this is really amazing, but also why, why is this needed? Right? Like this, is obviously filling some hole that is being lost or being missed like why don't you know I, I didn't see I mean there are women's groups but I didn't see the kind of a similar thing happening on the other side of gender I guess in a kind of a dualistic gender world um so it's a very long drawn-out answer like I said it's hard to give it all in there but anyway um, I'm a designer by trade and I kept coming back to this question of how can you make this more accessible? How can you take what's happening here in these really like niche areas um, that, you know, most of my friends even would be like turned off to, you know, like just kind of like, nah, I'm good now, nah, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Like, okay, like totally, I get it. You know, I understand. 
Um, but in my niche areas, you're talking about men's groups, men's yeah, groups, totally, men's yeah, workshop. yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I told like this, this, I mean, it took me a while to even come to a place where I felt comfortable telling people I was going to men's groups, right? Like, and that says a lot given I'm now creating a game being like, and I think that's, that's a testament to culture as well. Like it's just shifted, it's moved. Um, but I remember the first time I told this, this woman, Sarah, I was dating, that I was like going to a men's group and she immediately like, <laughs> I, I still laugh because she immediately, she didn't say it out, outright, but like she thought the first time I said that it was going, I was going to like some like white nationalist, um, you know, like just like dark, dark web kind of hangout club or something. And I'm just like, so funny to me that like, that's where, you know, the, her mind went. But um, anyway, I, I guess I just say that to like how how niche it was and how niche it, it still is to a certain extent. Well, it would be um, a good social experiment to tell a bunch of people, yeah, I'm going to a men's group and then ask them what they think it is. Yeah, yeah, because totally. It's, I'm very it's, fascinated in these things. Yeah. Because totally, before I did this. Yeah, it's not, it's not socially acceptable. And I would, I would imagine that with the level of homophobia we have in our culture, that we still have in our culture, but some people would think you were going to a gay sex party. And some people, <laughs> some yeah, cigar like, lounge, yeah. like like white nationalists, like yeah, none of them are right. particularly. Right. Uh, and some people would know, so it would be really interesting to get the data breakdown of, you know, what do men totally. think? What do women think? What do non-binary yeah. folks think about you know yeah. what a men is? You know, yeah, totally. I love that. I love that because you know there was a period of time before the card game. I was I would I. I stood up this like website to organize and facilitate facilitate men's groups, right? And I was coming from that side of accessibility. How can you make this seem more palatable, less scary, these kind of things, more more accessible? And I remember having conversations with friends about that. You know, like, what, what, you know, how do I even how do I even like invite someone into this in a way that's not going to scare them? You know. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like trip, tripwire words. Each person has their own kind of needs and like what, what's, what's off limits, what's okay, you know. Anyway, I'll find, I'll find, I'll finish that that question with yeah. So taking my design skills, my branding skills, um, my 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 inspiration from other kind of card card game prompts, question games out there, like we're not really strangers was a big one, and just being like, well, why don't I just make this? And so, yeah, this is where I'm at now. Yeah. I love the intention of making men's groups and men's work more accessible because I do think there's, there's still a lot of stigma and there's still, like you've mentioned, like a lot of confusion of like, what the hell do you mean by men's group? And so I'm curious if there is a listener that's in that position sort of like, what are they talking about? What is men's work? What are men's groups? What would you, what do you, how do you explain it now that you've been in the world so much? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it. Usually I'll, I'll say something like, um, you know, it's an opportunity where a group of guys will get together on a regular basis and really just, uh, support one another, check in with each other, see how we're doing. Like that's the most kind of like, uh, like the most, yeah, accessible, I think, way. Um, you know, and then if you want to go one level deeper, it's like, you know, there might be meditation, you know, there might be a little bit of just like kind of grounding and then, uh, you know, five minutes for each person to kind of say what's going on in their life. And, you know, with it, with a, with a desire to kind of be open and, and honest with oneself, you know, like, kind of speaking through not only the good stuff that's happening in your life, but also this, the shit that's like kind of sucks and it's not what you maybe want to talk about, you know? Um, and just, that's it. It's like a very simple structure and you just keep, keep kind of going and the, um, you know, the relationships deepen and you get an opportunity to kind of work through some of the stuff that you're, you're struggling with and just be seen. I mean, I think this is what it always comes back to, right? Like, and even this language, right? Seen, being seen, it's like, you know, being acknowledged, whatever, however you want to say it. But um, to me, that's like the under, that's the underlying kind of desire here, right? Across all of these things is like, how, how can, how can I be seen like fully as a human, like in all, in all of it, 
And how can I help other, like, cause I have a desire to, to see others, right? Like I want to connect, I want to see others. And, you know, in my experience, staying kind of in the more surface area, like level of conversation has just never really gotten me what I'm looking for. So it's like this constant, like, uh, yeah, desire to kind of, to, to just, yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, part of what I hear and there is, and this is something I've heard from my clients repeatedly, which is it's really hard to connect on a deeper level with other men. And it's like our culture doesn't tend to support that. And there's really interesting social science research around exactly what age that starts to happen at. You know, you, they've done research on children and by children, I mean, sort of zero to 10 and girls and boys connect with each other pretty equally. Uh-huh. And then right around 11 or 12 boys language, the language boys use starts to shift and from more connection language to more isolation and 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 sort of solo language because they feel like they have to have it all together or they have to be strong or it's um, again, the homophobia comes back in um, meaning plays into like, they won't, they they'll stop holding hands with their male friends. Like there's this distancing, very drastic distancing that you can map onto a boy's life right around 11, 11, 12 by 13. It's pretty much in place. Uh-huh. where they are socialized to not connect with one another in a deep, close, meaningful, intimate way. And when I say the word intimate, I don't mean sexual intimacy, but there are there are other cultures where men hold hands, not mm-hmm. boys, men will hold hands with their male friends and it's not considered weird. Mm-hmm. It's kind of normal. And in the States, you would never see that. That's very, very rare. And um, so, yeah, I'm wondering if you can sort of speak a little bit to your experience of friendships? Like how has your experience of friendship shifted as you've done more men's work? Do you feel like you've been able to reclaim some of that? What, what has your experience around friendship been? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, You know, I, I, I've, I've moved around a decent amount. I I am now back in Seattle. Um, I was living down in, Open for five years prior, and um, you know, I'd like I'd like to say in many ways that I am like at a place where I'm really content with like the relationships and friendships in my life. But I think it, the reality is I'm still very much on that search. Um, as I've changed, I actually just saw a friend from college yesterday who I I don't say there's not too many people from college that I've stayed in close touch with. Um, I think in many ways we've kind of all grown apart, but it was really nice to see him. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, this is, this is like very much stuff that I'm, I'm kind of working through now. Right. It's like, I'm not, I'm newly married. I live with, I live with a partner now. And so there's like a lot of like social, this COVID happened uh, kind of right in that, like moving back to Seattle, living with my, my partner. And I feel like in many ways, I'm like still trying to like recalibrate to like, okay, I'm here in Seattle. Um, Where are my people at? Like, do like, is that enough for me? Like what, what works really well for me? So like, I just, I just started like doing a biweekly a campfire at um, the beach. Right. And like, that's my attempt to like, try to, to gather people in a really easy way. Um, I'm also a bit of an introvert in many ways. So the way in which I like to connect, it doesn't always work, work with like how other people do. Right. It's like, I prefer getting a coffee or a drink or someone just one-on-one with someone like, that's how I, I connect with people. And so, um, and I also like drain pretty quickly in larger groups, certain contacts. So um, I'm still figuring it out. I think honestly, like I'm, uh, I'm learning my own hangups as a friend and really trying to be intentional with who I spend time with. And I'm trying to get better at asking for what I need in friendships. Um, you know, like, 
I used to be more okay with like, Oh, the, like, you know, I'll, I'll see you once a year. And like, uh, you know, I probably won't hear from you until then, like until I'm near you and then I'll, I'll see you once. And then it will be like, then there'll be another three-year gap. And I think I'm kind of just like a little bit, like there's always going to be room for those types of relationships, but I'm seeing the gravitational pull to like, like many relationships going to like these like longer, not seeing one another, not checking in. And um, yeah, there's definitely a desire to like have more of that. Um, but I think also I'm learning, like I want to be with people in person. So I'm trying to maintain these relationships from, from California and in, in some ways I'm struggling to like really fully be there. And so that's hard as well. Um, yeah. Thanks but, for yeah. that experience. Cause I think there's a lot of, I know a lot of my clients have had the experience of moving to a new yeah. city and, or getting into a relationship of some kind and whether that relationship lasts or doesn't it can be really easy to neglect. It can be really easy to neglect our friendships when we're in partnership because yeah. so many of our needs are met by our partner and it's so much easier to just stay in and Netflix and chill with them than yeah. go out, especially when you're in the building phase, meaning you are building new relationships in your city. You are building new friendships in your city or wherever it is that you live. And another experience I would throw out because I was just talking to a client about this was um, whether you've just moved or not, we go through different life stages and college. If we're, you know, in the privileged population that gets to go to college, there's high school, there's college, there's your twenties, your thirties and beyond. And a lot of people go through pretty drastic changes in their twenties and thirties. People get married, have kids, they move, you know, they get new jobs, they get promoted. So levels of availability go up and down. Often they go yeah. way down. So totally. even if you had a strong friend set in your city, in your twenties, and you're still in that same city, you might be experiencing loneliness. Yeah. And I, I kind of just want to call that word out because I think it's so drastically, uh, it can so drastically affect your health, physical and mental loneliness. Yeah. There's pretty substantial research on the physical toll that it takes. So that, that, concept of be of feeling lonely being lonely even if you're in a romantic relationship is very real and it can feel a little bit like you feel guilty or you shouldn't feel lonely because fill in the blank but i would say the majority of the men that i work with are lonely yeah. and this aspect that you're pointing to of how do i make friends in a new city where do i go to find the guys that actually want to drop in and have a real conversation not just talk about surface level stuff you know there's that deep desire. And I, I think that, you know, your game and just any attempts that we can make to create spaces for that, we need to be doing because there's, it's basically, they call it the loneliness epidemic, but it really is dramatic how much less frequently we see people in person. You know, we used to have a lot more gatherings in person. We used to have to do a lot more things in person totally, and now totally. we get delivered and it's like the ease of our lives actually doesn't facilitate connection. So yeah. I really like that um, every other week campfire idea, for example, I think that's a great example on your part of, of leading, of leading, yeah. of creating a space for people to come and connect. And I already have a client in mind to refer <laughs> to your campfire in Seattle. Cool. So um, I yeah. think it's one of those things that, you know, putting your attention on building friendships as a man, I think is, is extra important because what I've noticed in my work with men and sex and relationships is that when men do feel grounded in their friendships, when they do feel like, Hey, I've got a group of guys that has my back. Yeah. Relate differently. Everything's better. Yeah. They relate differently to women and, and their jobs and just everything. They're willing to take more risks. They just don't feel like they're so alone. Yeah. And so that experience you were talking about with, you know, the men's group, I, I would, I've had multiple men in our coaching program who'd come to the first call, the first call and said, this was fucking worth it. <laughs> just to be around a group of solid men that are trying hard to live their lives well, and maybe they're fucking some stuff up, but they're in the ring and I get to yeah. be 
a witness to that, to the vulnerability and to the, the risk-taking and all of it. It's like, it's heart, it's heart nourishing. It's like, like yeah. it's part of what makes life worth living. Cause if you're not, you're just, you're just lonely. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that, that experience of, of loneliness, even when you're in a relationship, I think I know at least some of my friends have felt like they don't have the right to feel lonely because they have a great partner. Yeah. Totally. Like, I can't feel lonely because I have a great partner and it's like, yeah, but you're meant to have a lot of connections. You're not just yeah. meant to have one. Totally. Yeah. And you can also like, you can be with people and still feel like you can still feel lonely. Like if you're, if you're not kind of accessing or touching on that deeper place of connection, however that looks like for you, I mean, it might even be going for a hike. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I've come to, you know, conversation and is a, is a huge part of me to kind of connect on a deeper level. But I think everyone has different means of doing that. Um, well, that's yeah. how your game comes in because it facilitates those deeper conversations. So yeah. can you share a little about how you, how you came up with the prompts and then yeah. maybe you share an example just so men can get totally. of it. I was just going to real quick, I'll, I'll get there. I was just going to share this. Like I posted this on Instagram actually the other day and it's, um, survey center on American life. But anyway, it's, I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but it's pretty much, um, so this is men's relationships and how many friends they have, like how many, I think it's just like number of close friends. And I don't know how they kind of determined it, but it shows it from the 1990s or 1990, they did the same survey in 2021. And there's just across the board number of men who say they have even one close friend. It just like everything's dropped. And, you know, to your point, like, I think now when things are more transient, that, that, that's a huge part of it, right? When you have that kind of locality and you're staying in one place, like, I know I wouldn't have the same problems I have now, you know, if like, if I was staying in one area and the people I grew up with were also in that area. Absolutely. Um, and that sort of gives rise to the whole, you know, kickball leagues in different cities. People yeah. don't join, people don't join kickball leagues because they like kickball. They join, yeah, totally. they need new friends. Yeah, totally, yeah. And so that kind of, but that movement makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, come see the same group of people once a week for 10 weeks, yeah. get to know them, go get it, grab yeah. a drink after. We need more of that kind of thing to expose totally. people to each other on a regular basis. Because to your point, just seeing someone once a year and having a great conversation, you know, that's part of the value of men's groups is, yeah. Come connect deeply every two weeks or whatever the rhythm is yeah. with guys that want to go deep. There's a, there's a, there's a regularity to it that helps yeah. build into your life yeah. of these one-off connections or trying to make friends in a new city with no structure. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience, it's like when it's, when it's structured or when it's around some other thing, whether that be kickball or whatnot, it just, it's more frequent. It's going to happen more. So just like trying to find ways to use like the environment, like to make this stuff easier. Right. Like for me, it's also like Wednesdays. I have a chunk literally on every Wednesday. I'm like, this is my social check-in time where I'm going to like, just, you know, reach out to a few friends. Maybe that's through text. Maybe it's an audio note. And that helps me just remember to come back to that because it's really easy for me just to kind of like, you know, whatever's in front of me is what I'm doing. It might be like a 10 block radius of my home and where Weston go, right? Like it's kind of like. I like that. It's like friend hour, right? Yeah, totally. like say a friend, there's friend hour and you're like, all right, who, who have I not reached out to in a while? How are you doing? Yeah. Do you need anything? Yeah. What's going on? Cause it feels so good to be checked on. You know, it feels so good when someone. And that's how you build. Kiss. That's how you build yeah. the kind of the fire, so to speak. Right. Cause it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I think everyone has different needs, but it's like, how do we create the relationships and the friendships that we want to be a part of? And that requires mutual reciprocation. Like there's no, like that's one thing I've learned over time. It's just like, there's no friendship without mutual reciprocation. And so it's hard. Like it can be really hard, right? Cause not everyone's like, yeah, I want to like check in with my friends. Like, I don't want to do that half the time. Like, yeah, I, I don't, but I'm going to do it because I want to show that I care about this thing. And that's like, that's kind of a novel. Like I, I don't see, yeah, I don't see a ton of men, doing that like I um 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, like my wife does it, you know, way more. I'm just like, holy crap, this is impressive. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was young, I my parents weren't together. So I spent summers with my dad and school years with my mom. So I had friends in sort of two different zones. Yeah. I remember my, my summer friends, the girls were great at keeping in touch and the guys were terrible at keeping in touch. Yeah. But I had this epiphany one year that it's not that the men or I guess they would have been boys at that point, but they didn't care about me less. They cared about me. They cared about me. They just were poor at keeping in touch. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, well, if you don't, you know, if you haven't written me or anything, it means that you don't care. But after year three or four, I realized they care deeply. They really care about me. Yeah. But they're not good at this particular way of keeping in touch with back in the day was like letters for a while and then it switched to email, but even with email, they weren't that great about it. And mm -hmm. I, I remember um, there was a scene in one of the Harry Potter movies where similar, cause they spent the school years together and then they'd go off for the summer. And one of the, and I think Hermione said something to the boys, like you'll keep in touch. Right. And one of them goes, probably not, <laughs> but it's not because they didn't care about the friendship. They did. So yeah. to your, you know, the in-person relationships the in-person connections they are important you know and that that song of make new friends but keep the old is is pretty true we, you need both it's not that you don't need the old friends but you also need the new friends and that's the part that i think it does take a little bit of discipline to say okay i've moved to a new place i'm putting energy and attention on making friends here and putting energy and attention on making friends here. And one of the things I've noticed, cause I've also moved around a lot is that, um, I have to keep, I have to keep going, right. I have to keep going to the things to find the people I have to rally myself. Like, okay, yeah. I don't really feel like going out, but I'm going to go out because friends are important. Yeah. And I had to learn that much like dating, I had to be friends with the people that were open to being friends with me. Like I met cool people that I was like, I would love to be closer to that person, but their lives were full. They had full yeah. lives. They already had yeah. their friends set and they weren't raising their hand to be friends. I'd reach out and say, Hey, I'm, you know, around, Do you want to get coffee? Oh, sorry. I'm busy. Oh, sorry. I'm out of town. And I had to sort of accept like some people are raising their hand to be friends back and some yeah. aren't. And so you got to find the people you connect with who also connect with you. And yeah. it's a lot like dating where you're like, that's not always going to be the people yeah. that you wish it was, but you yeah. are going to find amazing people if you, if you stick with it. And if you believe it's possible, if you believe it's possible, I think that's one of the things that I've had to learn is, okay, this is, this is eventually going to happen for me. And I'm going to, it's, I'm going to make it because it's yeah. easy to sort of be like, oh, well. Yeah. No one likes me. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so yeah. So back to your game, which is, yeah. which helps, I think in that, uh, not liminal space, but just sort of, okay, you're, you're connecting with someone, but you kind of want it to be more meaningful, even if it's a gathering, right? Like, Hey, let's, let's bust out this deck and do a few of these games or sorry, do a few of these prompts. How did you come up with the prompts that are on the cards? And maybe you could g give one as an example. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can pull some out. Actually, I just played with, um, this guy. Um, yeah, I mean, so, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm a designer by trade and uh, the, 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 the title is user experience designer, right? So I was actually proud of this. I was designing applications for farmers, believe it or not. Um, that's what I was doing. Uh, but anyway, the design kind of thinking framework is, uh, I'd say, a huge part of how I came up with these questions. Um and really, I mean, it starts with like looking at what else is out there. So I ordered like every single kind of card prompt game and flip through them and see what was out there. And um, I wasn't particularly like enthused about a lot of them, um, but I had a rough idea of like what makes a good question, you know, especially for a game like this, right? Where there are certain types of themes that I wanted to like cover and explore. Uh, given my experience in men's groups. Um, so stuff like purpose, um, stuff like masculinity, stuff like emotional well-being. And so once you have these kind of like larger themes, then it's like, okay, well, how do you connect dialogue and conversation to it? And that was just a lot of like 
a lot of iterating, honestly. So there was like play testing. I did a lot of different, like got random strangers to play. I got my friends to play. I played with my friends and it's, it, it's pretty quick that you can see what works and what doesn't. So really weeding out like the, the cards that don't work. And there were certain types of like ways that I like frames that I would look at questions through. So one would be, um, can this go deep and can it also stay shallow? Like, can, is there a broad degree of which this question can be answered? That was a good thing, right? Cause I wanted groups and individuals to feel comfortable answering the question any way they wanted it to. Right. So if you felt you had to be vulnerable, that was a little bit problematic, but if you could be vulnerable, that was good. Um, things that were humorous, right? Like humor is always like, if you can ask a question that involves humor, it's always, it's almost always better than a question that doesn't involve humor. Right. And so it kept coming back to accessibility, right. Um, you know, a card that I often point to is like, uh, if you were dating yourself, what parts would really suck. Right. Like that's, that's a way to frame a question that has, you know, that usually makes people laugh or at least kind of like think, or it's an interesting way to frame a question. If I were to frame that question and say, what parts of yourself don't you like, you know, like, uh, like, Oh, geez. So this is a bummer, you know, like, so you can ask the same question, you know, a hundred different ways. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely like, I now have a, a note doc in my phone where I'm just, I'm, you know, as I have conversations with people, there's just like moments in time. Oh my God. There was one, like, <laughs> I'm going to share it. I'm going to, I'm going to go there, but it might make it to a future expansion pack. Who knows? But there was a conversation I had with a group of people and we were talking about like the time you shit your pants. And, and, and my friend was, my friend asked like, so what's your, the time you shit your pants story. And, you know, it was like that. And I was like that, like just the way that it was framed. I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is definitely a let's get real bro card. Um, yeah. I definitely have my story. I'm not going to tell it. Right yeah, this totally. Time. Yeah. But yeah. That's like to everyone, everyone should have people in their lives that they feel comfortable sharing that story with. And I hope we all do that's a good yeah that's a that's a strong litmus test right there yeah so um, can you give an example of a of a card that didn't work yeah totally and you were like oh yeah that's not i thought that even some of these that are still in the game now i'm like there'll be a next iteration where there's certain cards where i'm like "Eh," it feels a little too childish you know so like one one card is like um I don't know. I, I haven't actually played it out too much because a lot of people will just play the cards without the drawing part. So you can, you can write, so everyone gets a little whiteboard and a dry erase marker. And that's also like by design, right? It kind of allows people to think about an answer, write something down. It's a little less vulnerable sometimes. Um, you know what? Can I pull, can I pull up the, the doc? I have a Google sheets doc oh, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll, and I'll go through a couple that didn't end up making the final, um, this is like the audition reel of the the folks that weren't cast. I pulled a cut, like I pulled one. It was actually really funny because I ended up seeing it in We're Not Really Strangers. Um, I pulled one card that I was like, this is a little too, too raw, too deep, right? So there's one card that that was, what's the most physical pain you've ever experienced? And like that, that's that can be a cringe kind of conversation, but usually there's a good story at the bottom of every of everyone's kind of like, and, and it might be like a little bit traumatic, but I, I had a second card that was, what's, what was the most non-physical pain you've ever experienced? Right. And that, that like, that's just like therapy content. And I'm not like, like there's a, you know, there's a better help partnership. Every game comes with a free month of therapy. Right. I, I don't want the game to be a traumatic experience where you're like uncovering trauma with people that don't know how to hold it or process it with you like so that's that's one example did you have a thousand and you picked a hundred probably i probably had something like four or five hundred yeah um and how many there's only 90 and like that's the thing is like i was very intent on like i want every question to be like a banger you know and like i think now it's probably like 50 but if you were to take every card game out there i think like most are are around like five to ten i mean it, it is there's a lot of like it obviously i'm biased like 
but I really do think uh, just from like a good question standpoint, I do think there can be like, you can just keep getting better and better questions, but it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to find really good questions. Honestly, like that was, that was a, a lesson in this, the creation of this, you know, so there, th- this is like a lot of different ones, but these are all ones that like, you know, if you could snap your finger and be an expert in any one thing, what would it be? I think there's certain questions that like I'd see in any random game and I, I wanted it to be unique. So there are certain ones that I was just like, eh, right. So this, th- there's, there's actually some in there that I think might be like an expansion pack of friend, like specifically on friendship. Cause you know, there were some questions in here that are really tied to what we were talking about, but I, I also didn't want people to feel like the game was attacking them. You know, I didn't want people to feel like I wanted the questions to to feel open ended. Like I didn't want there to be conclusions. And so, you know, I, I, I actually don't hate this question. Is there is there anyone in your life you're sad you lost touch with? If so, who? What's stopping you from reaching out? Right. So this is kind of like very much down the line of like do like a mental check of like who are the people that are in your life, like that were in your life. Is there anyone there that like you want to stay in touch with? Like give them, like do something, you know? Uh, Well, it's also an interesting question because the what's stopping you from reaching out can also be revealing of your own sense of boundaries. Like I can think of someone in my life and what's stopping me from reaching out is I honestly don't think that they want to be in touch with me. I think based on their cues, it would be slightly invasive of me to keep to keep reaching out. It feels like energetically there are no, and I respect yeah. the choice. I don't know exactly yeah. why, but I've, I've had that with people. Like I don't really yeah. want to connect with you. And so I am sad that I'm not in touch with that person and I respect that person's boundaries. So it's, yeah. that's, a, you know, there's a way that's also a good question. It's not even necessarily you should reach out, but just what's your, what's your story? What's your story about yeah. why, but that's such a good I like this category you have of realness level that you've ranked. You've ranked the yeah, card. So that's, yeah, and that's like, because uh, it's true because yeah. that can bring up a lot of grief, right? Someone you're sad you've lost touch with, that there's grief there. You are sad. That's in the yeah. question. And so it's, it's pr- helpful to know this is, yeah, some of this is going to bring things up for people. And, and the other thing that occurred to me was um, there are similar decks for couples. And one of the, one of the decks that I thought was, was smart was split up into three levels, sort uh-huh. of like level one spice, level yeah. two, spice, level three spice. Cause if you're I a newer ha- couple. I also have, I also yeah. have that same, yeah, oh, that same. so each, okay, yeah. yeah. So this is, this is kind of real level one. This is pretty real. And this is level three, super fucking real. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It's just fun to say that. It's just fun. It's just fun to say super fucking real. Uh, I'll stop sharing as well. Yeah, totally. Um, I can. I can. I can read. Yeah, totally. Level. Oh, this one's great. What's one part of yourself that you want others to see? What's one part of yourself that you'd prefer they not? Right. So, like that. That. That's a. That's like a banger to me. Like that. Is that level one? Is that that was level three? No, that was that's level three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that's really like, you know, like what are the parts of yourself that you aren't super stoked on? You know, and like who who do you try to represent yourself as? Right. And I think there's just so much like material in in like the the like quote unquote shadow, like what we hide and yeah. Um. And I was, you know, uh, this one right here, I just got Apollo Ono on, which is kind of random, but a cool like brag. He's a Seattle native Olympian. Uh, he did speed skating and we posted um, this one that he answered. It's you got five years left to live. What changes? Uh, you know, these kind of like, OK, like and, and, and specifically five years, like the timeline of five years, I think is like, you know, one year it's like usually kind of easy. Um but five years is like, oh, like there's there's enough time here to like do something. Um, and like I can't just maybe just quit my job. Like, uh yeah. Right. It's not I'm gonna go travel and see all the places I've not been. It's yeah. kind of gets at what do you want? What do you want your legacy to be? What are you what do you what do you actually want to do here before you yeah. depart? Totally. And what's a level two or a level one? 
Yeah, level one. Um, this one, I this one, level one, kind of real. What was one of your most prized possessions from when you were growing up? Um, this is a just a good like. It, there's not a lot of replayability to this one, and I think that's another you know way that I look at the different questions. Um, this is a I like this one a lot. I mean, this is kind of yeah. This is very much geared towards towards men. I feel like. Um, yeah, this is level two pre-roll. How do you show you care about others in your life? Um, so this is just like, kind of like, you know, it might be something that a lot of people are like, feel very inclined to answer. They know, I think there's, yeah, there's plenty of guys in my life that have to think about that. You know, it's like, oh, like, what am I doing to show that I care about the people in my life? You know, like, and, and you know, maybe there's some realizations that take place there, but, um, yeah. And I'm curious, you know, it seems like a potential, you know, in-person group could be just, hey, we're going to play this game. <laughs> like, have you ever yeah. tried that? Have you done your own? Like, like just going to like, a group of strangers? No, just let's say. Put have it I on played with people? Well, as a monthly, like we're doing this thing. This is how I'm going to meet uh, people. Yeah. I, I don't have a reoccurring thing. I mean, I've played the game probably too many times just to kind of like evaluate it and test it. Um, but you're saying like a meetup where like, it's kind of an open invitation. Yeah. Someone actually, I, I, I still remember that it's, it's one of those areas that like, I'm, I'm trying to like, it's one of those things that like, I know I'd enjoy if I did, but I'm a little shy, you know, when it comes to like going out and hosting things, especially in like a context of like with people I don't know, it's just like that's me and my like kind of gooey like uh like yeah. it's that's uncomfortable but yeah <laughs> yeah and then have you also brought it to men's groups have you ever played it with men that you know well and was yeah. that different yeah totally so actually right now i'm not in a, i'm not in a men's group and i actually haven't I, I did one online um but it was hosted by a friend of mine and it was kind of a part of a program that he was running and there wasn't like an opportune moment. I did plug the game, but we didn't like play it. I am actually doing an in-person. So prior to the card game, I was running, I was organizing and, part and facilitating some of these men's groups online. We're going to do one in person um, with a few close friends and uh, head out. We've got like a, a little Airbnb out in nature and um we'll definitely be bringing these as a means to like kind of break the ice because there's plenty of people who don't know anyone else and i think like this is a really nice way just to like i think find some common ground and like help you settle a bit you know because i think that's just really important in any type of work like this that might feel a little comfortable you know yeah it's 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 a really like you said, accessible way to lead and create a little bit of structure, which, yeah. you know, we talk about polarity a lot in our work. And I think that's, that's something that can create a lot of connection is just bringing some kind of structure. And it's oh, yeah. the same in, you know, in relationship and in, in dating. And I remember a man talking about, he wasn't, he and his partner weren't in a great place and he, yeah, he, he got one of these decks for couples and he packed a picnic and he was like, we're going on an adventure on Sunday. This is what time we're going. And <clears throat> they went and they did it. And the, the space that was created when they did that, they were able to process some of what was actually happening in the relationship too. Cause some of the questions were, you know, things like what's something you haven't told me that I've needed to know something like yeah. that, this level three spicy for couples. Yeah, pretty like pretty real. Yeah, because yeah. you, you know, you, there's probably something. Right? Yeah. And um, anyway, it, it was really, really connecting. And yeah. that was a choice that he made to lead in that way. And I think that's something that it's been gratifying for me, witnessing a lot of our clients start to lead in that way in their relationship. Yeah. I think a lot of them used to be more passive or more scared of bringing up real quote unquote, real things with their, with their partner. And now they're yeah. like, okay, they kind of lean in and they were the one leading the hard conversation. Not yeah. honestly, it makes it so much easier for, for, for me. I've been in many situations with men where 
I was the one bringing up the tough conversations and I felt like, yeah, it was it's hard. And it yeah. was hard. It's tiring. And when he yeah. brings it up, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I can relax yeah. a little bit. I feel like he's consciousness is here. His awareness is here yeah. present with us, holding us. And it's, it makes such a difference. Yeah. 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 And it shows, I think, uh, it shows a, uh, I hate that word, attuneness. Um, there's, there's like another word, like it, it shows just a degree of, uh, I don't know, participation, like seeing what's, what's taking place. And I think that's, that's the hardest part is when you're in a relationship and it, it might not be seen, like it's not mutually seen. So it's, it's on one person who, you know, might be more, whatever, like attuned to the emotional world um, or maybe more just like emotional acuity or social acuity, like to bring that content forward and, you know, it's, yeah, it's hard. I'm curious if you feel like creating this game has made you a better partner in any way. <laughs> I like the question. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'd say it's made me a worse partner in some ways because I get a little bit too obsessed with, you know, like, I feel like there's a whole new exploration for me, which is like, how do I, how do I, you know, be a self so like an entrepreneur in a healthy balanced way right like this is just like a landmine of of gunk that lives on every corner right around validation you're checking for sales you want to like you know you want to like succeed and you don't have as much structure so there's just a lot of ways to kind of like yeah like there's just more material in many ways to like grow through. Um, but it's hard sometimes. So I'd say, you know, hopefully it makes me a better partner by the end. Um, <laughs> what about, what about conversation wise? Do you think it has it, it sort of improved or is it, I would imagine you've played with your partner a bunch as I well. I have, so. I have played with my partner. Yeah. I mean, the, so the reality is my partner and I have a pretty damn like, I'd say we see each other pretty closely already. Like I, I wouldn't say we needed a game to, to like come to this place. Um, but have you shared your shit, your pants story? That's the question. Oh yeah. She was the first person. Yeah, totally. Like I literally, like it was right off the press, fresh off the press as I told her. <laughs> Melody, Melanie's dropped the poop emoji. That's great. That's good to know Zoom has the poop emoji. It's like good for something. So, I mean, we're going to start to wrap up soon. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, in your, in your ideal world, you know, is this on every man's coffee table or what's your ideal in terms of, of how the yeah. game is, is used? It's a great question. Um, can I actually, I will answer that, but I do want to share, can I share this one review that came in like yesterday? Yeah, and I feel like sure. I literally, I couldn't have someone like write a better review, but this, this review comes to mind when I'm like, this is why I did this. And I think just like, why, like, this is what I want to happen in this, you know? Uh, and this is an unsurprising either. There's plenty of women out there buying this for their partner, right? Like, you know, in this case, uh, I'll read the review. So I bought it for my boyfriend and it, Shout out to Kaylee, by the way. I bought it for my boyfriend and his guy friends to bring to Vegas on a bachelor party trip. He is one to be open about his feelings, but his friends are not. And it makes it hard for him to bring real news to his friends without genuine support or connecting. I was afraid they wouldn't play the game and think it was too touchy feely. They loved it. My boyfriend said he learned more about these men in an hour from this game than the entirety of their 15 year friendship. Him and I played it at home too, and we absolutely loved it. Uh, he asked me to play it, and he never wants to play card games. We literally love it. Uh, the, the questions get deep and allow us to open up to each other naturally as part of the game. Um, but yeah, super, yeah, definitely one of those, like, I read it, and I was like, oh my God, it's so adorable. But specifically, the, like, he learned more about his friends in this one hour than 15 years. And I'm like, yes, like, that's great to hear. And also, like, I feel like the table, like the, the, the stakes, can, not the stakes, but like the bar can be set pretty low in many ways. So it's like, like we don't have to, 
it doesn't have to be that much to kind of like get to know the people in our lives better, you know? Um, anyway, I guess going back to your initial question, this is also something I don't really know the answer to, you know, I, I, I've dedicated most of my time to this project right now. Right. It's like, it's, I'd, I'd love to see it grow. I'd love to see, you know, it instigate change. Um, I'd love to see it help people connect on a deeper level. I'd love, I mean, even just it as a thing kind of acknowledges part of, you know, like even if it's not played and it's just like people get behind the mission of it, you know, it's like here, it's like a game for guys to explore all the shit. We don't want to real talk, feelings, emotions, masculinity to get to the shit. We do connection, support, mental. And so like, like that's really, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope, I hope it grows. I hope, you know, I hope like, um, I'd love to make this my life, like my life's work, especially at least for now, you know, and see where it goes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. Well, thank you for creating it and for doing what yeah. you do. Cause I am a strong advocate for men and men getting their needs met and feeling seen and witnessed and loved and held. And I think that's sorely lacking in our culture. So I'm a big proponent of anything that helps, helps men with that. So um, yeah, big fan. Where can people find it and where can they find you? Yeah, totally. So, uh, it's just let's get real bro.com. The name of the game. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. It's LGR bro. Uh, and just reach out, say hi. Um, yeah, you can just shoot me a, a direct message or shoot me. Yeah. On, on Instagram. Cool. I also think it could be a great, it could be a great team bonding exercise for different, different teams retreats yeah. and everything like that. So there's a lot of use cases. So totally. I hope it grows as well. Me too. Hey, I mentioned clients a few times in this episode and just wanted to mention that I, along with my co-coach Jason Lang, who you've probably heard on the podcast, do work with men to transform their sex and relationship lives. And if that's interesting to you and you want to go deeper than the podcast, you can always take our free training, which is at evolutionary.men slash training. That's evolutionary.men slash training.